Welcome to For the Love Podcast with best-selling author Jen Hatmaker. Come on in and join us for a chat with Jen and friends about all the things we love. Now, here's Jen. Hey everyone, it's Jen Hatmaker here in the For the Love Podcast. Listen, I am super, super excited and honored to have some really special guests on today for our series on For the Love of Girlfriends. Um, so we, I got to thinking, all of our different series in a podcast are interesting. We're going to have on experts and authors and sometimes really good friends of mine and um, people who are really um, you sort of a niche in their area. But um, my favorite thing about our tribe has always been the tribe itself, uh, that among us, there are so many amazing stories, so many amazing people, so many amazing friendships and 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 these these wonderful encounters with God and with people that that should just have a wider hearing. And so I decided for every series that we do on the podcast, we're going to crowdsource one episode. So in other words, I went to Facebook and said, "Guys, we're doing a series on girlfriends. Tell me your stories." Who's got an amazing girlfriend? Who has something we should hear? Tell us who you know and what you have seen. And the response was absolutely over the top. In fact, we had so many amazing nominations, we couldn't pick just one. So on on today's episode, we actually have two different sets of friends because we we couldn't choose. So you're going to hear two amazing stories today. And just real quick, I want to thank you, um, Tribe, for your incredible responses. I'm just, I'm so blessed by this community. And I'm reminded again, why good friendships are so important. They absolutely carry us. They give us strength when we need the most. They bring us joy. And sometimes, as in the story that you're just about to hear from our guest today, they carry a legacy that lasts even after we have left this world. So without further ado, our first set of friends today that we're welcoming to the podcast is Vivian Foster and Nancy Klein. And they have a story that positively exemplifies true and lasting friendship. They're both from the Kansas City area. And you guys are just not going to believe their incredible story. It's amazing. Um, Vivian was actually the one who nominated her friend Nancy. And I'm going to let them tell you all about this wonderful friendship journey they've been on together and where it all begins. So first off, Vivian and Nancy, thank you so, so much for responding to our call for amazing friendship stories and for being on the show today. I'm thrilled to do it. Yeah, it's my pleasure and my privilege to be here with you and Vivian, Jen. It's actually my pleasure and my privilege. And I just cannot tell you how much I appreciate your time and and really just your beautiful lives. I mean, I am just blown away. So so let's jump into this this story that you share with the, with us, Vivian. So you nominated your friend Nancy, which by the way, you did not get her clearance for, incidentally. That's correct. <laughs> You're in trouble for that. <laughs> Sometimes really good friends just ask, don't ask permission. They ask forgiveness, right? 
So, um, Vivian, you nominated Nancy for this really amazing story you're about to tell us. Um, and it's not only between you and Nancy, um, but the example that you saw with Nancy and her friend, Denise. So let me ask you first, what immediately came to your mind when you saw my post um, asking for a friendship story? And why did you want people to know about Nancy? Well, I have I have tons of great friends. And when I read your post... Nancy's name popped up because I had the privilege of watching Nancy and Denise's friendship through good times and bad times and horrible times and every every situation in between. And it's such a beautiful story of letting Christ direct your life that I just felt like it was a story that had to be told. Yes, 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 and amen. You are right, ma'am. Um, I, I'm so excited to tell everybody this just really beautiful story of yours. So, Nancy, um, we know this all really started with your friendship with Denise. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your friendship with, with Denise Henning and how you got to know her and uh, the promise that you ultimately made to her um, as uh, truly a testament to your friendship. Well, uh, Denise and I met at a law firm, the McLeod Law Firm in Kansas City, back in 1994. And she came in to interview for a position that we had open for an attorney. And she was uh, brand spanking new as an attorney. She had worked at, at a court of appeals for a year and she was looking for her first real job in a law office and I'm a little older and so I was involved in the interview process and um, me and my boss got together afterwards and we were like we need to hire her she would be amazing for our office and uh, the rest is history I mean that was the beginning of God's plan for our lives to come together because uh, she came in the first day and came into my office my boss was out of out of the office and says, well, what are we going to do today? Just, <laughs> I mean, just, <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm not an attorney, I'm a paralegal. And, uh, but I, uh, and from then on, I just, we, we shared so many of the same interests. We both grew up in rural settings on the farm. Neither of us had family in Kansas City other than our spouses. And at that time I had a two and a four-year-old boys. And uh, she and her husband, Tim, uh, just immediately became close friends. We went to ball games together. We would meet for dinner out. Why she and her husband would want to hang out with us with a four and two-year-old, I don't know. But (laughs) (laughs) But, um, we just became great friends. Uh, We invited them to our church, and they came, and we worshiped together. Uh, We loved boating together. And and she and I loved going to baseball games together. We traveled at, with work when we would travel. If we could go to a major league baseball park, we would. And we did make it to every single major league baseball park together. Uh, did you? I love yeah, that. In, the to- in, the tw- in our 24 years of friendship. So we um, just did life together. And our husbands were good friends. And she had two eventually had two boys that were our 10 years. Her oldest son is 10 years younger than than our oldest son. And uh, then she had another son. And um, 
Tim and Denise and their boys were just family to us, really. We uh, got to do life together, and it was a privilege and an honor to be her friend. Mm, how beautiful. Um, and so you're you're just, you're going right along, you're traveling together, you're working together, you're in community together. Um, and so what was really the the first just kind of the really first hard yeah. moment that you weathered together. Well, she um, in 2004 was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so we were together in, a, in her law firm then. Uh, in 2002, she formed, she left the other law firm and started her own firm and asked me to come with her. And so I did. But in 2004, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so that was the start of our cancer journey together. I'd never really had anyone close to me that had um, chemo and had a mastectomy and things like that. And so that was the first of us going through things together. She would be in chemo and I would bring her lunch or I would just come and sit with her uh, during that process. And And how old were her boys at the time, more or less? uh, The oldest one was four and a half and the youngest one was just one. Wow. And so for the youngest one, he's never known life without cancer as being a part of it. So so she, uh, we celebrated five years cancer-free in 2009 and uh, had a big party with all of our girlfriends. You know, you got to bring all your girlfriends together, the ones who are there supporting you. And, uh, but then in December of 2011, Uh, we learned that her cancer was back. And the week between Christmas and New Year's of that year, she went for a PET scan, but the results were not great. They were that uh, the cancer had spread to her spine and clavicle and ovary. And so at that point, they call it metastatic breast cancer, and there's no cure for that. So that... uh, the tragedy continued on. Denise had decided not to tell anybody other than mm-hmm. those of us who were closest to her. So in May, after the re-diagnosis, we are at her nine-year-old's baseball game, the youngest son, and the, the game had not started yet, but Tim was out hitting pop flies to the boys and came in and sat down in the dugout and collapsed. And Mm -hmm. suffered a massive heart attack, of which they were not able to revive him. And so that night was like none I'd ever experienced before, Mm -hmm. because I was there at the game and drove her from the baseball diamond to the hospital, and then... um, and then from the hospital home to mm. tell her two sons mm. that their dad had not made it mm. through that. And um, all the while knowing, she and I knowing that she had a non-curable cancer. Uh, and and there was a question in the car on the way there about, you know, how could this happen? How mm-hmm. how. How could this be allowed to be happen uh, by God? How could this be part of a plan? How could this Mm -hmm. be right for her two boys? And um, but Denise, being such a strong woman of faith herself, she uh, was just amazing. Uh, Mm -hmm. She could have written a book on how to be (laughs) a mom in this type of adversary situation with her boys. 
and and just sharing with them uh, all the blessings, reminding them of the blessings that they had. Mm, what a wonderful thing to say about her. Um, it was right about this time, right, that Vivian, you joined this their, the small group that they were a part of? That's right. I think I went to one meeting with Tim and Denise. Then it's just been a journey mm, yeah. ever since. So that's sort of where your stories intersected at that point. So, um, so Denise has lost Tim. She's sick. Um, does the small group, is the small group sort of coming around their family at the time as I'm sure they were? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Friends within the small group. Vivian had just moved to the Kansas City area. And I tell you, she was a gift from God. I mean, I have said that throughout all of this, that God has just continued to put just the right people in my path as I have needed them. And Vivian coming to Kansas City and becoming a part of our small group, uh, or, you know, I think in February uh, of the, of 2012. Mm-hmm. So after Denise has learned of the diagnosis, uh, but before Tim passes, and our friendship just began from there. Uh, she came from a small town and was new in town, and she is so wise and inspirational. As Vivian just brought such a great element to our small group that it was easy to gravitate to her uh, mm. as a friend. How wonderful. Will you tell us a little bit about sort of uh, Denise's, essentially her mission after she lost him and um, and her foundation? Because that, that piece of her story is just beyond I'm beyond amazing. Yes, Denise, uh, if anyone can find a silver lining or try to turn Mm -hmm. a tragedy into a good thing. So she wanted to um, show her sons how they might be able to change uh, or turn their tragedy into something that would benefit somebody else. And so she, along with Tim's brother, Dan Henning, and his wife, Sherry, and I met and brainstormed about how we, what we could do to, to turn this tragedy into a, uh, something good, and and ultimately decided, Denise decided on the Henning Family Foundation raising funds to place automated uh, defibrillators in nonprofit locations all over the Kansas City metropolitan area, and particularly starting at athletic fields, baseball fields, because there wasn't an AED at the field that we were at the night that Tim suffered his heart attack, and it could have possibly made a difference in his life. And so Denise set out to uh, uh, raise funds, and our primary way of doing that was through a golf tournament. Mm. Um, and uh, the first year, we raised over a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow! As, did you? Really? And that—that's also just a testament to uh, Denise was uh, an attorney in the Kansas City area, so very well respected, and had been so generous throughout her life. And so when she called on law firms and lawyers at law firms, especially the plaintiff's firms, when she called upon them and asked for help in supporting this uh, foundation, they were all in. Our goal was to uh, place 100 AEDs at nonprofit locations in the Kansas City area. And to date, we've placed 122 AEDs. 
and I'm still uh, doing site visits. In fact, uh, next week we're placing them at all the Boy Scout camps in the local area. Are you really? Yeah. So that's um, what uh, what she had the vision for is, and in fact. She was so blessed, and she would say that, that she was blessed, that this was curing for her and her boys, that uh, she was at a baseball game a couple years ago, and uh, the game had not started yet, and she noticed a commotion. An umpire had come out of the concession stand area and had collapsed. And so Denise, who was not very well at the time, uh, was having breathing issues, sent her her son Brian to the car to get the AED, the mobile one that they carried in their car all the time. And so Brian, thank God Brian was there because Denise wouldn't have made it to the car and back uh, with the, her, her current health situation. But Brian ran out there, got back with the AED. There was a fireman there who had started CPR. Denise applied the AED to the umpire's chest and through the use of the AED, he was brought back to life. Oh my, he had no have... pulse, was not breathing. It, had, it was blue up to his chin, but the use of the AED brought him back to life. I have goosebumps down to my toes. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me that's not God. <laughs> it, yes. I, 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 have, I have goosebumps everywhere. That is um, so amazing. So outstanding. Um, what a, what a, I'm so happy that she was able to just see that sort of fulfillment of her mission that she was right. She chose something important and necessary and it saved a life in front of her eyes. It's unbelievable. Right. Yes. Of all the AEDs we placed, it was hers and the use and her family coming together between her and Brian to make a difference in the life of that umpire's family, who was a father of two and had a wife at home. And um, so it it was a blessing uh, for them. And And she would say it was curing to see the difference that they had made in the life of that family. They had prevented a tragedy so that someone else would not have to go through what she and her boys had gone through. That's right. It's amazing. So yeah, what happened next in the story? Well, the next part of the story is that a, a year ago right now, Denise became very ill. And so she was, she spent days, she, um, uh, in the hospital, unfortunately at the end. And so she, and she passed away on September yes. 11th. 2016. But guess who sat with with Denise in that hospital for 40 something days? Was it Nancy? Absolutely, it was Nancy. Yeah. Um, Nancy and Denise went to California looking for, you know, more treatment, a different kind of treatment. Um, And that was Nancy that made all that happen. And it's it's an amazing story of putting putting feet to Jesus. <laughs> uh, you know, I still, even knowing the story, I still get goosebumps. It's a real um, gift in so many ways to log those day, those last days with someone that you love and just your presence. You can't say anything to make it better or easier or fix it. Um, but just that steady presence for 48 days in the hospital is 
um, if that's the only legacy that you ever left on this earth, it would be beautiful and worthy. That is, that's truly amazing. And so after 48 days, she lost her battle. She did. Yes, um, she did. She, <laughs> she's brave to the end and uh, just amazing. And it was a privilege for me to be there with her uh, through that. Unfortunately, there she did not have a family member who could be there um, to be through this. So um, clearly God made us sisters <laughs> 24 years ago and uh, that blood did not need to be part of that, even though we were both B positive. But it was a privilege and an honor mm-hmm. to have lived that and been there. And it was really a family effort because my husband was so supportive and allowed me to be there day and night. She was in ICU and, um, and wasn't really able to direct her own care. And I was the power of medic, uh, durable power of attorney. So, uh, but my, and my son, uh, Andrew was, uh, would be at literally spent um, f- uh, five weeks at the Henning house, just being there for the boys. How dear. And um, our, our families were so intermingled like that. Andrew had been the boy, Brian and Matthew, Denise's son, Tim and Denise's sons. Uh, he had been their child care provider since he was a sophomore in high school. Every summer he, he did that for them. He just stayed with them. And um, so then at age 26, he was prepared and knew exactly what the boundaries would be and how to love those boys dearly. And they knew, knowing that Andrew was, uh, you know, hurting through all this too, because Denise was like a second mom to him. Of course. And you were like sisters and all four of your sons were more like brothers. Absolutely. It's just so true. think so often of that scripture where God says his, he's just sets the lonely in families. And I just think sometimes he just makes a family out of random people. He puts us together with somebody unrelated, not flesh and blood, not from the same place, but at the end of it, it is every bit as much family as any family I've ever seen. Absolutely. um, Precisely what you shared. So, um, so when Denise passed, then what? Well, we actually, um, we are now raising her two sons. He, she intends two sons. And this was something that, uh, of course, was distressing Denise years prior to her passing about what would happen to her sons um, if or when God brought her home. How old were they in September when she passed? They were um, 16 and 13. So they're now uh, 17 and 14. Uh, we've gone through some of these, so many of these first without her. But um, so to, to, uh, my husband and I left Hospice House when Denise passed and had to go to their home and to share that news with them. And then just to reassure them that we would never, we, God willing, we would never leave them. And we've been at their house ever since, which was what her wish was, that the, her boys would be able to stay in their bedrooms and in their neighborhood and in their school. It's too much. I can't handle it. It's too much. Yeah. You just moved right into their house. We, d- it's we so did. And you're still there. And we're, still, we're not going. You raised the second set of sons. 
we are raising a second son and they are amazing um they've the the oldest one was like i've never lost a best friend i know this must really be hurting you (laughs) i know can you believe no i cannot she has raised such amazing she and tim just raised such amazing compassionate caring kids and of course they're teenagers <laughs> so yes, that they comes are. with they, that comes with all the ups and downs of that it's sure in their hearts yes i have three teenage sons i understand <laughs> yeah, you understand <laughs> exactly so you've got one looking at college um, yes. at, we when we were jumping on the phone before we started recording you're at a baseball tournament as we speak yes. We are in Florida right now for a U14 baseball tournament. You're back in the thick of it. We'll be at the field at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. Yes. Oh, man. Oh, my word. Um, But thankfully, we love this. I mean, God picked the right ones. (laughs) Well, you know how to to raise two boys. (laughs) I do. I've been there, done that. I I said that those... Those are my practice kids, and that maybe I could get it right this time. God is giving me another chance. Oh, that's too much. Oh, my goodness. It's just too beautiful. It's the most beautiful story I've ever heard. Um, Vivian, can you jump in here and talk a little bit about sort of your story with Nancy and your journey and your diagnosis and, and what your friendship has looked like? Well, from the from. The very first day I walked into her house for the small group, those arms opened up and we had a connection, you know, so sort of from afar, I watched Nancy uh, serve Denise. And then in um, 2013, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and it would have been so easy and so understandable for Nancy to back away and say, I can't do this. I'm not, I've been there, done that. I can't do this, but that's not Nancy. She wraps you up in her arms and she checks on you and she wants the best for you. And she prays for you. And that just really touched my heart because she was in the midst of something really bad. That's really profound um, to sort of go back to a really a tender place where there was so much loss and pain and suffering and say, I'll stand by you. I'll stand with you even here. I mean, that is, I mean, that is truly beyond. Um, I'm so incredibly, um, I'm moved by that. So I'm I'm thinking about our our friends, our friendship with other women. It's just, it can be so instrumental as you are so beautifully describing just to our health and our well-being. And um, sometimes it seems like the ones who love us most are almost, they can almost read our minds. They're almost telepathic. Um, We can almost just sense when someone close to us needs something um, at at any really given moment. So um, Vivian, will you, Will you tell us just briefly how you how you sort of listen to that prompting of the spirit that brings um, Nancy or really any friend of yours to mind and why you think it's important to sort of act on that voice, act on that prompting, on that instinct um, to call a friend or to reach out just to remind them, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about you today. I'm praying for you today. You, God brought you to mind today. Can you talk about that for just a minute? I can remember one time calling Nancy. And she happened to be at Denise's grave, taking, and she had taken flowers. 
and she just needed me at that moment. I did indeed. <laughs> I certainly did. Oh. If you hadn't have acted on that, it would have been a very sad, even sadder moment from me. I, I have to say, and it was such a blessing to hear Vivian's voice. It was like, you know, God, it was just call, dialing, using the phone to call me to say, it's going to be okay. And I'm giving you the strength to do it. And that's what Vivian was telling me, Nancy, it's going to be okay. And God is giving you the strength to get through this. So, I really love that because in my in my life, when I when I've been hurting the most, or I've, I'm in suffering, or I'm feeling lonely, or I'm terrified, uh, for me, nine times out of ten, the the singular way that I have felt God's love, that He has sent His presence, or His comfort, or His assurance, is through another human being. Absolutely. And so, let's not despise those tiny little nudges. And it doesn't have to be monumental. We don't have to write a 10-page paper to somebody solving their problems, but rather just a little check-in. Hey, I'm just, I'm thinking about you right this second. You just never know how deeply that's going to matter in that moment. And that's precisely how God leads us. It's always a little whisper. You know, it's rarely a, a two-by-four upside down the head. It's those little nudges. It is so um, true. Sometimes the two-by-fours. Sometimes. I'm stubborn. So I get that sometimes. Me but, too. Um, All the distractions get in the way. And you're, But you're absolutely right, Jen, is that uh, in, in today, the way that we can use technology is a plus is to just send a note out a text message out to somebody um, that's right and just say hi i'm thinking of you I, you're in my prayers or how can i pray for you specifically today uh yes, and that's it and so easy it's so easy that on even with me correcting all the autocorrects uh, i uh <laughs> <laughs> me too I, that, me too. that takes 15 seconds or 20 <laughs> seconds and it means right. it can mean the world and it really I really do think like Vivian was saying that God if we just listen God is putting on our hearts people who he wants us to be intentional about touching their lives that day and Denise was really good at that I have to say mm. too that there are there probably could have been 30 people at her celebration of life that would say, Denise was my best friend. Oh, that's precious. Because she took the time to do just that. She would help anybody who called, uh, people, other cancer survivors, people looking for jobs, people looking for jobs for their kids or a nephew, or, and she would always just take the time but I mean she'd get she'd be driving and writing a post-it note on and putting it on her dash because she had just been nudged by the Holy Spirit to reach out to somebody and she didn't want to forget it and and she wanted to follow up on it as soon as it was safe for her to do so so she sounds amazing she was amazing yeah Vivian was that way is that too the fact that she has I just know was an answer uh, that uh, for, to God because when I was sleeping in a in a recliner in the neural ICU and I would wake up in the morning and have a message first thing from Vivian uh, with just some little word of encouragement or Bible verse or something that was on her heart it just would make it possible to get through the day I mean it was those little pr things 
and just help make it through the day. And thankfully, and there were other friends, girlfriends that were doing that too, because I think there's so many wonderful, godly women out there. And um, man, you just got to cling to them (laughs) so we can get through this. That's it. I mean, if there is a message that um, I've heard and said and agreed with over and over during this series, it's that uh, girlfriends of this caliber are a real and wonderful gift. I mean, a a treasure, truly a treasure um, among probably, you know, we're going to get to the end of our life and we'll have a handful of things that we can look back on and say, these were the things that truly counted. And this, this level of friendship, these kind of women in our lives, that's one of them. That is going to make the cut. This lasts and it's beautiful and it's powerful. It's actually powerful enough to see us through suffering and yes. loss and grief. And I just, I'm just stunned by how lovely your friendship story is. It's truly inspiring. I, I thank you for, for being the kinds of friends that you are to each other and um, that you have been to Denise. And it's just a, just even get to peek in just for a minute on this wonderful, wonderful little piece of humanity on our planet right now has just absolutely just strengthened my faith and and encouraged my resolve to be a good friend. Um, I thank you so much for sharing it. Pretty amazing, right? (laughs) Amazing. Nancy and Vivian and their story about Denise just... Uh, my heart's just really, really full from it. I hope that you loved it. I hope you enjoyed their story and that it moved you and inspired you in some way to cherish your friends like this or be a friend like this. And I'm just reminded as I listened to their really lovely story that just good human beings are everywhere. We don't have to look to the famous people or the ones who are published or on TV or you know, that we are just literally surrounded by such goodness that people are wonderful and they're showing up for one another and they're good friends and they're good people. And Nancy and Vivian were just a wonderful example of that. So I'm so grateful that they were on. I'm so glad that I got to share their story that they said yes, because neither one of them liked the spotlight. So we sort of shoved them into it and we're all better for it. Guys, just a real quick little break here in the show to talk about something super near and dear to my heart. So you may know that my newest book is called Of Mess and Moxie, and it comes out on August 8th. We're almost there. I absolutely loved writing this book for you, and I hope that you will love reading it. I think this is my favorite book to date. Um, my, My goals with this book is that at some point in the reading, it will positively make you laugh, hopefully out loud. It may make you cry. I I hope it makes you think. Um, and I certainly hope that it inspires you and encourages you and gives you permission to live your wild and glorious life in the place that you've been planted. I um, It was just a real delight to write for you. Hey, listen, if you pre-order it before its release date, so anytime between now and August 7th, you get a bunch of cool free stuff too. My team put together this amazing pile of goodies for you. It's so easy. So if you're ever going to buy it, you might as well get it now and get the free stuff before it's released. 
placed. You can find out all the information on that on the book's website. It's called just ofmessandmoxie.com. And all the links are in there and everything you need. You can get signed copies. You can get a really cool collector's edition box set and all the information on your pile of swag is over there too. So I can't wait for you to have it. I can't wait for us to talk about it. Um, And I hope that it serves you so well because it was a delight to write for you. So ofmessandmoxie.com, go snag it. Okay, back to our chat. Super excited to introduce you to another pair of friends who have just this really amazing moving account toward the power of a promise made between two friends. And so, guys, I am so just honored that we have this community because when we asked, when we went to social media and said, tell us your stories, who should we know about? Who should we hear from? You showed up, you responded in spades. So as I mentioned before, it was it was so hard to pick just one story um, from all of your nominations that we uh, actually couldn't do it. So even though we could have positively shared 100 stories on the series, we decided we at least had to share the ones that got the most response from from you all. So thanks again for just being so faithful and having so much passion in our shared space. And um, it just really never ends with this group. And so you told us overwhelmingly that you wanted to hear from these two ladies as we sort of saw their story just in a tiny little piece um, on my Facebook page. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you said, we want to know more. So on to our second, uh, truthfully, tear fest for today, because the story that you just heard with Vivian and Nancy was just so great and so moving. So get some more Kleenex, y'all, because I am so honored to introduce you to our next guests who both live in the Southern California area. So we've got Anne with no E Pearson and Anne with no E was the one who nominated her mom's very close friend. And, and she's Anne with an E who for the rest of this interview, we're going to call grandma Anne. Okay. So we've got Anne and we've got grandma Anne, and I'm going to let them tell you about this beautiful friendship between Anne's mom, Peggy and grandma Anne that has led to their strong really special bond over the last 30 years. So Anne and Grandma Anne, thank you so much for responding to our call for amazing friendship stories and being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Okay, so Anne, you nominated Grandma Anne. And you mentioned when you saw the post on my Facebook page um, that it wasn't even a split second before you felt prompted um, to nominate Grandma Ann to talk about the friendship she had with your mom, Peggy, and then ultimately her presence in your life. So tell us kind of what immediately came to your mind when you saw the post asking for a friendship story, and why did you want people to know about Grandma Ann? You know, it it, it really happened so fast, and I think because... Um, you know, I had been thinking about our special relationship or friendship because um, we had just celebrated Grandma Ann's birthday over the weekend. And um, I was, you know, at this wonderful party that her daughter Erin um, made for her and just were with her family. And we, you know, my husband and my kids were there and it was just, just part of the family. And I, you know, was thinking about how special, how really special 
um, that friendship was and how Anne has shown up, you know, for me and for my sister and, and now my husband and my children for, you know, for our lifetimes. I can't remember the last, I can't remember not knowing Anne. Um, you know, I met her when I was three years old. So I think it was just, you know, when I think of friendship, I think of Grandma Anne. I think of that, um, just uh, that, good. that loyalty. And, you know, I was trying to think of, of just that commitment, you know, commitment to, to me and my sister and our family and how much that, you know, how much that takes throughout a lifetime. You know, it's not some small thing. And, um, no, no, it's not there, you know, through all those years, no matter what. And, and so that's what really, um, what really struck me. And I just wanted to shine just a light on that, on her and just how blessed I feel to have her in my life and how, I just feel how inspiring that is. You know, you can be one person and make such a difference in other people's lives. And, and it doesn't have to be through huge things. It just, just checking in and, and seeing how someone's doing in the good times and in the bad times. You are absolutely right. Although I would call this story kind of huge. Um, <laughs> let, let's get into it because it's so, it's so dear. Um, so Grandma Ann, we know that this whole thing really started with your friendship with Peggy, Ann's mom. So tell us, can you tell us a little bit about your connection with her and how you got to know her? And then ultimately about the day she asked you for a promise that would then alter your course for the next 30 years. I met Peggy and I thought, oh, this lady is awesome. I loved her attitude. She um, had Ann and I had my Erin and Erin looked exactly like Peggy and Ann looked exactly like me, <laughs> which was very funny at the time. And how old were you guys at the time as mothers? I was, um, let me think about this now. I was in my early 30s and she... Peggy was older than me. I think she was about 10 years older than you. So you were just in the young adult years of raising babies, obviously, like so many of my listeners are. Yes. And and looking for a role model. And I, and I did find that in Peggy. She just had this attitude that was so beautiful. And, um, you know, we're all struggling and searching. And we all have husbands that we have to take care of and babies that we have to take care of and younger children. And... And I just admired her so much. And, and we could laugh together and um, we could just put our heads back and just laugh so much about the little things in life. Like Ann said, it's, it's not the big things, it's the little things. And mm-hmm. as we continued our friendship, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about faith. We talked about family. We talked about uh, parenting, um, communities, uh, commitments. What is a friend? And... Um, you know, when it came to walking along the ocean and talking, one of the times Peggy said to me, well, if anything ever happens to me, uh, I want you to take care of, of Anne. And I said, oh, without question, but you're nothing's going to happen to you. And if anything happens to me, of course, I, you know, you'll do the same. And, uh, I, you know, I didn't think much of it. And, um, and we went through a lot together. We went through, you know, we talked about each other's, you know, family life and our finances and then her um, 
one of her children, her oldest, is getting married. And so, so we had a, a big dynamic there. Um, and um, it just, it, it kept evolving and evolving. And, um, and then Peggy very, very tragically, unfortunately, passed away. And Anne was, she was only 10 years old or maybe close to 11. Wow. Um, yeah, and I just... I was I was completely devastated. I was heartbroken. I ran over to the house and I, you know, thought, well, I've I've got to take over now. And um, I went to Anne and I said, I'll be your mom. And then I thought, how rude of me to do that. You know, her mom just passed away. My goodness, what am I doing? But I gave her a big hug and I said, what do you want to do? And um, she and Maria, her older sister, said, we want to make banana nut bread because uh, Peggy made the best banana really? nut bread in the world. And uh, so we went out to the grocery store, and we must have looked like quite a, quite a group. Wow. <laughs> and we went and bought everything we needed for banana nut bread, and I was thinking, oh, please, God, let me make it as nearly as good as Peggy. I know I can't, but uh, I'm going to give it a whirl, and come on, Peggy, help me out here. <laughs> so wow. we went home, and we made banana nut bread, and um, it just got to where it, it didn't get easier, but we could get through it because we had each other. And, um, and mm. it, it was a day mm. by day by day thing. And just watching Anne grow and, and, and having her as part of our family and letting her know that she was part of our family. She was just, that was automatic. Mm. And let me ask you before we go on in the story, cause you were just 11 when you lost your mom and, I mean, no, nobody's ever prepared to lose a mom, much less when you are that young. And can you talk us through kind of your side of, of that season and, and what your experience was even up to that point with Grandma Anne and who she was to you in your childhood and then since? Yes. You know, what was interesting about, um, you know, even before my mom passed and Grandma Anne was already somebody very special to me. I spent a lot of time with their family. I played with Aaron. It was a special time for me. I'm the youngest of four kids. And so my older siblings were all busy and doing their thing. And um, so it was special. I got to go do the, you know, go with this other family and, and be a part of their fun days. And they lived at the beach. And so we spent a lot of time on the beach together, just kids running around having a 1980s summer. Totally. It was a lot of fun for me. And I always loved being around Anne. Um, and I, I really feel like my mom saw that connection and, and maybe that's, you know, what prompted her to say, you know, to talk to Anne about that. But I always loved, loved being around her. She was always a really fun mom. Um, she made the car rides fun. We did a lot, you know, going to dance class. She drove me to dance class and, um, and you mentioned you know, it was in a big fancy convertible Cadillac. So who wouldn't love that? I didn't appreciate it as much as my kids did. <laughs> when you drive to Lake Arrowhead. I want to drive in that right now. <laughs> Great memories, childhood memories. Um, so when I lost my mom, I mean, it was very shocking. My mom was not sick. She had, um, a massive heart attack and it did happen at my brother's wedding reception. So there was a day of, you know, celebration and, you know, a lot leading up to that day was, you know, stressful and family and, you know, a lot of things kind of um, 
coming together. And, um, you know, at the last dance, she had her heart attack and she never regained consciousness. Wow. So, um, I mean, she couldn't have been what, 40? 48. Yeah. She's 48. So super young, Mm -hmm. um, something completely unexpected. And in my mind, I never thought that she was going to die. Like I was in that hospital room praying, you know, I, I thought, oh, she's going to be sick for a while. And we'll have to take care of her. And that's okay. Like I was already, you know, and I remember that very specifically. And and to get the news that she had passed was, um, you know, shocking and unbelievable and devastating. And in, you know, and in that 24 hours, my, it was a life changing loss Mm. because I was still in that age range where things were going to be different probably if my mom had lived. Yes. Um, I probably wouldn't have gone to the schools that I did mm-hmm. because my mom was very conscious of my education and she had her plan for me. And really that all kind of fell to the wayside after she passed away. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, it was very life changing and very much like who's going to take care of me. Yep. And I, you know, it was, my dad was sort of um, not equipped yes. really to, and he, I think he just kind of thought, well, we were mostly big, you know, yes. <laughs> the older siblings were older. And, yeah. and I think he was kind of like, oh, well, you know, I'm mostly done, mm. which is fine. He just, it just wasn't um, anything that he could really handle. Which kind of makes, made grandma Ann's presence in your life just all the more important. I mean, all the more crucial to have like a mother figure. Yes, very much so. And, um, and she was there and she, you know, kept the contact, you know, she would, you know, for years take me to dance class after that. And that was sort of our connection. And, you know, we'd go out to eat and I, you know, felt so special being just, you know, part of the group. It always felt good to be a part of whatever was going on with them and it felt special. And I had that to myself. That was Mm. my, um, special connection with Anne and with Aaron and her brothers and, and, um, Anne's husband, West Anne's husband, West could say, you know, he doesn't say much, but when he says it, I mean, it's to the heart. So Mm. he, I love people like that. Well, Anne is, is his little girl too. I mean, he, he just loves Mm. Anne. Uh, he lights up. He lights up whenever he sees Anne. He's that's his, his special gal. That is so dear. <laughs> so Grandma Anne, I, I mean, really, it um, it's just noteworthy and and really monumental the level of commitment that you kept. I mean, I can't. You mentioned it, but I can't imagine walking along the beach with your friend who's perfectly healthy in her upper thirties or early forties asking you to ever to care for her kids. Should something ever happen to her? It just feels like a, like a fake idea. Like what, who could ever imagine that? And then for it to come to pass so shortly thereafter, and then for you to stand by your word, not just, not just in the next few months, but for all these next decades it's really, really extraordinary. I mean, was there just ever a moment where you thought anything other than what you did that maybe I've gotten over my head or, um, or did it just, was it, was your friendship with Peggy and your commitment to Anne and, and the kids just so, 
certain and so sure that nothing else ever occurred to you? Nothing else ever occurred to me. I, I, the only thing I can say is I would worry so much sometimes that I wasn't doing enough, you know, um, hmm. because Anne is really like my daughter. I mean, and, and it keeps the connection with Peggy. And Peggy was, I don't know, we just had this incredible friendship. And, and it, it passed down to her kids and especially Anne. You know, when, when Anne had her wedding, I was just so proud of her. And I was so proud of who she picked. And I knew Peggy had her, her hands in that through, through Grace. You know, it just, she picked the, the perfect guy. And I thought, oh, that's, that's Peggy. You know, she's still with us. She's still right there. Okay, I very much, I love that. I love what you're saying because you've both, you both mentioned to us earlier, um, it, it just kind of in your pre-interview with us that it's really um, been healing and comforting for you both to remember Peggy um, and to con- just to honor the connection you had when you were together, when you guys are together now. In fact, you both describe little moments where you feel like Peggy's spirit has been present and, and these little nods of encouragement through s- some really important landmarks um, of your of your lives, little winks. Um, and from your mom. Um, so how can you talk about that a little bit? What how have you sort of kept her memory alive? And where have you sort of felt her spirit and her presence since? In the beginning of that, um, I'd have to say that the first thing that I needed to do with the loss of my mother was I needed to forgive my mom for dying. Mm, wow. I had to forgive her. And then I could accept everything that was coming at me as a blessing. And um, I think that once I was able to do that and it just kind of opened a door for her to start showing me how much she loves me from heaven. I don't know. And through God's grace, I mean, I just feel like God has just had such a hand on, on all of this. And it's in God is showing me how much he loves me through, you know, these little winks from my mom or, you know, for grandma and just her presence. I mean, I just feel that, feel that love from God through, through those things. And, um, so I would have to say that, um, gosh, just when we're together, I feel her presence. Um, you know, those landmarks, when you lose your mom at a certain age, especially when it's pre, pre teenagerness, you still have that ideal, um, idealized fantasy of having a mom, you know? And so, um, for my wedding, it was so special having Anne there and, um, you know, and then later, very shortly after a year after we were married, we had Charlotte and, um, you know, Anne was there at the hospital holding my baby. And I just felt like my mom was there too. It was really you could feel the energy in the room. And Charlotte looks exactly like Peggy. Oh, that's, that is so dear. It really is. You know, and she has So that, if ever you're missing your mom, Anne, you can just look at your daughter and get a little look at her face. I do. Mm-hmm. In all, each of my children, there's a little bit of my mom. But the mo- the one that looks the most like my mom is Charlotte. Mm. And it's it, it, it does make me feel good. It does remind me of that she existed, that she was here. Mm. Um, you know, cause after so many years, it does get to be a long time, um, without yes. her and those little reminders, you know, my husband, uh, I'll say my mom's favorite musical was sound of music. 
my older sister Maria is actually named after Fourline Maria. Ah, yes. So um, when I uh, was dating my husband, we were getting to know each other. Uh, he was saying how he was in musical theater in high school. And I said, oh, really? You know, what What were you in? You know, that's cool. And he said, oh, I was the captain in The Sound of Music. Oh, uh, yes. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm marrying him. Like, it There's just, the wink. <laughs> there it is, a little nudge from heaven. Here's your guy. <laughs> um, one thing I'm really uh, just struck by, um, something that you said, Anne, was that... Um, that just having Grandma Anne in your life, it, specifically as we're sort of talking in this series about friendship and as among women uh, especially, um, that having Grandma Anne in your life uh, made you feel like you belonged somewhere after your mom passed. And as an 11-year-old, um, I, I can only imagine how crucial that was to your wholeness and to your sense of well-being and, uh, ha- you know, having lost your mom and... And I'm just, I'm really, I'm really moved by the idea of um, women who have this amazing capacity, like you do, Grandma Anne, to create these um, places of belonging for for other people who desperately need it. It's so, um, I mean, I don't want to overstate it in any way, but to me, it's just very holy and sacred um, that it is one of the most important blessings and gifts we can give one another in this life is a place to belong, you know, where we know for sure this person loves me. This person is for me. This person is in my corner. When I have nowhere else to go, I know I can put my feet on a path that leads to this person's home and always be welcomed. It's just, there's something so incredibly um, special about that. I would love to hear anything you guys can say about that, just in general, um, why it has been in your life and why you consider it still important to impart this sense of belonging to others, especially um, when they may be feeling disconnected or unanchored. Well, for me, it, it, um, it gave me the ability to continue to be connected to my, my very dear friend, Peggy. Um, you know, you, when you make a commitment, uh, you get more rewards than, than the commitment itself. And, um, it, it, it's just, um, it's something I can't even imagine not doing because I want Anne to feel always to that my door is forever wide open for her and her entire family because she is part of our family. And I can't imagine not having the relationship with Anne and Dale and their three adorable children. And I'm, I'm so blessed for the children to call me Grandma Anne. I mean, when they look at me and say Grandma Anne, I mean, my heart melts. I'm just like, wow, am I blessed to have these three? Oh, my heart is melting. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yes, I'm melted. I am melted right now in my office. That's very special for me. When you, when you agreed, when we were talking about what to call you, and you just said Grandma Anne, <laughs> and that was, that meant so much to me, so much to me to have. Yes, of course. Uh, <laughs> yes. That, and for my kids to know my side of the family, you know, they see, they get to hear and see a lot about, you know, how their dad grew up and, and all those good things. But, um, you know, and grandma Anne has been my connection to my childhood 
right. in a lot of the ways and the connection to my mom because mm-hmm. you know there there's not a lot of friends left and here's Anne she just steps right mm-hmm. in grandma Anne to be grandparent to my kids and it has been uh you know just such a joy to see them all together because she just spoils them <laughs> rotten uh, yeah to have the special adult relationships with you know with family members you know and it's it's family and it's a connection and grandma Ann can tell them about stories about me when I was a little girl and yes that to me is just so important for the big picture of my life to still hold on I don't want to forget my childhood there was a lot of really sad things that happened after my mom died but this is one really amazing thing that happened after my that's right this helps with your children then have have that good connection and that balance that they can um you know share with with their family you don't want to ever leave somebody um without a connection where they 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 can't go on because because they've lost that connection or or they've been they've been bruised and hurt and there's not somebody there to say hey you know Come on, get up, brush yourself off, let's go. Let's let's go and this is uh, life and let's enjoy every moment of it while we're here. I can absolutely see why um, Peggy asked you, <laughs> Grandma Ann, to step in should anything ever happen to her. And I'm trying to put myself in Peggy's shoes. And I, um, you know, obviously she would never have chosen to, to, to have to miss the rest of her her life and her children's growing up and their adulthood. But I cannot help but think what a comfort it would have been to her, obviously, to know that here I am talking to you all these (laughs) years later, and you are still this precious, integrated, essential part of Anne's life and her husband's life and her children's life. You did exactly what she was hoping. And it's just the most wonderful story to watch you honor a commitment you made on a beach right. decades ago and have it just produce so much beauty um, in the life of this young family and in their future and in their kids' future. It is truly, truly beautiful. I am just thrilled that you have shared it with me. Now, let me ask you guys this. We close every episode with a couple of questions that we ask everybody, and we would love to hear your take on these two, because um, now that we have gotten to spend a little bit of time with you, I guarantee you that um, everyone listening to this podcast is going to want to be your best friend. <laughs> and, and you know what? And I, I, I look through all your pictures too. You're pretty spicy. I mean, you're pretty grandma. Ann. you've, you're like, you've got it going on. Um, you, you are stylish and fierce. And so anyway, you may get stalked after this. I'm just telling you. Yes. Okay. Here's the first question. So this is to you, grandma, Ann. Um, we've all been given a lot of advice in our lives. Um, some good and some bad. Can you tell us either the best advice or the worst advice or both that you've ever received? My mom told me a long, 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 long time ago. Live each day to the fullest. You don't know what's going to happen in the future. So live each day to the fullest. And I've really tried to do that. (laughs) Yeah. How appropriate even for your story here with Peggy. That is just the truest thing. Okay. How about this to you, Anne? So how would you complete this sentence? Uh, You know, I really love you. If I ever do what for you? Oh, that's funny. I think ironing. If I ever iron anything for you, 
really love you. Oh no, I don't iron. <laughs> I don't iron at all. Brandon does all of our ironing. Peggy used to iron all the time. Oh really? Oh, it skipped you, Anne. You didn't get that, Jane. <laughs> no, I'm the worst at it. It's no. My husband, my sweet husband, wakes up at four a.m. He's a contractor. He goes to work really early, and if he can sleep ten more minutes, I feel like. I, I'm going to iron his shirts for him, but it is done very <laughs> angrily and begrudgingly and <laughs> not pretty. And I don't always do An angry iron. I get this. An angry iron, my husband's shirt. Yes. I try to say a prayer for him with every shirt, but it's kind of like, please, Lord, let me get through this ironing. <laughs> <laughs> I have flat out refused to buy plenty of clothes for myself and my children because it requires ironing. I'm like, I don't have time for this. You get a straight cotton t-shirt or you get nothing. Okay, here, one last question, and I'd love to hear it from both of you. Um, a question that Barbara Brown Taylor once asked in one of her books, and it's this, and it could be as serious or as lighthearted as you want. And here's the question. What is saving your life right now? Saving my life is my my faith and family. And Anne is definitely part of that. And that saves me daily. Mm, me too. How about you, Anne? The first thing that came to mind was Netflix. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix. What are you watching? Oh, uh, my husband and I are watching Bloodline. Oh, that's a serious show. That's a really it legit is. show. Um, you know, the Netflix kind of um, ties in with time with my husband in the evenings. And um, we're watching Bloodlines right now. And uh, we can sit and just have that downtime while the kids are watching something else or outside playing. And, um, you know, it's just that kind of connection at the end of the night. We might hold hands even sometimes. Might put my head on his shoulder. How long have you been married? Uh, Dale and I have been married for um, 14 years. After that many years, um, you don't need a lot of romance. You don't need a ton of adventure. It can be as simple as sitting on a couch, holding hands, and watching Netflix to reconnect. And that is like magic, especially when the kids are asleep. Absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, so Anne and Grandma Anne... I'm so grateful to now count you as friends, and I cannot thank you enough for your beautiful lives, your amazing story. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me today, um, just for sharing what was a really hard part of your life that turned into a really beautiful, wonderful part of your life. I just know that it is going to move and inspire and touch so many people that are listening. So from the bottom of my heart, thanks for being with me today. Thank you so much. It was, it was an honor and a pleasure. Thank you. I just cannot thank my guests enough today. Um, just these really extraordinary women and the beautiful stories they've shared with us today of friendship and loyalty and commitment are just over the top. I hope you loved them. I hope you were moved by them. And that wraps up our very first podcast series on For the Love of Girlfriends. And I mean, it's just been a real joy to me 
to have all these amazing people on the show and learn so much and laugh so much and um, just get a glimpse into some really phenomenal people's lives and their stories. And so I hope you loved it too. Um, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. So we've got a really great series coming up next. We have some outstanding guests lined up that you're absolutely going to love. And I cannot wait to bring you the very next series, which is going to be for the love of Moxie. And so you are going to meet some people who literally define Moxie in every way, in their careers, in their families, um, in their relationships as overcomers. Um, it's just, it's just over, the, over the top, you guys, over the top. I can't wait um, to start bringing you those episodes. So thanks again for joining me on the For the Love podcast. I'm having such a ball with this and I hope you are too. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us today on the For the Love podcast. Tune in next week when we sit down again with Jen and friends to chat about all the things we love. We love you, our listeners. So we want to be sure you subscribe to For the Love with Jen Hatmaker via iTunes or your favorite podcast provider so you don't miss a thing. And if you have a minute, please leave us a review. To become a part of Jen's online community, visit jenhatmaker.com and sign up for her newsletter. It's full of all the things you love, including free stuff. We love free stuff. Thanks for listening and see you next time on For the Love with Jen Hatmaker.